Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner and I use they, them pronouns. And today, uh, assuming you're listening to this on Sunday, December 8th, when it comes out for the public and not the 6th when it comes out for patrons, uh, today is the first day of Crisis on Infinite Earths coming this winter to the CW. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Worlds live, worlds die, and ratings skyrocket. Yep. We're gonna see at least one Superman die, but they have three of them now, so who knows who it's gonna be. Okay. Today we are talking about, we're not, we're not talking about the crisis itself, we're talking about, like, the, uh, the Arrowverse at large, which I have been in and out of it, depending on the show. I watched the first, at least the first two seasons of everything. And I got okay. three seasons into Arrow. I ended up dropping out halfway through Arrow 4 and halfway through Flash 3. And near the end of Supergirl 2, because Supergirl 2 was all about Supergirl and Monel being just... Oh, uh, it was, it was bad, bad romance. <laughs> ah. They were like, we've decided that you two have chemistry. And they didn't have chemistry, which is wild, because Melissa Benoit and Chris Wood, the actors, have great chemistry in real life, and they're married now, and are clearly, like, very good together, but none of that transferred to the show. Huh. And then Legends, I dipped out four episodes into their first season, and then I found out that the second season retooled a bunch of stuff, so I hopped in, and now Legends of Tomorrow is the best show on television. Fight me. Good to know. Um, did I watch anything else that's involved in that? I'm watching Batwoman. Batwoman's doing good. Okay. And then I haven't, I haven't watched any of the animated stuff, unfortunately, and I haven't watched any of the stuff that has been retroactively folded in as of Crisis. So I haven't seen any Smallville. I've yet to start Black Lightning. I never watched Birds of Prey when it started. Ha. Huh. Well, they brought back the Superman from Superman Returns. Yeah, because Brandon Routh is also playing um, Ray Palmer, the Atom, on Legends of Tomorrow. Ah. They're also introducing Ryan Choi in Crisis, and... Also, Brandon Routh announced that he is leaving the cast of Legends, so I think that Ryan Choi is going to be taking his spot on the Time Flyer. Okay. But anyways, it's uh, Arrowverse. It's like, it's what the DCEU wishes it could be. Um, yeah. And I'll, for that matter, it's what the MCU wishes it could be, except they don't realize that they want to be the Arrowverse because they're drowned too, they have too much money to hear any uh, viable criticism upon them. <laughs> yeah. Whereas... The Arrowverse, by its nature as a TV show, lets the characters and the relationships grow and they develop organically. And because it's happening in a serialized format, they can listen to people's criticisms and course correct if things are going squirrely. Yeah. I'm not saying it's perfect. Uh, Oliver and Felicity went from the darlings of the franchise to the most loathed couple in over the span of, I think, a single season. Oh, wow. Felicity did kind of hijack Barry and Iris's wedding. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And and then the immediate next Flash episode, the, the writers had Iris just voice all of her fury at that, and the, all the fans were like, oh, oh, good. So this this wasn't everyone being a fool. This was just one mandated thing that no one liked. Good to know. Okay. But anyways, we're not talking about any of the existing characters, even though there are plenty of characters that could get their own spinoff, and there are characters that are going to be getting their own spinoffs, it sounds like. It sounds like they want to do a... Uh, Superman and Lois, a Lois and Clark, uh, following in the footsteps I get, a, a, re- a rejuvenation with the Tyler Hecklin and Bitsy Tulloch, Lois and Clark. Okay. From the Supergirl show. And that would be good, because I love both of those actors. Yeah. I, I was floored at how much of a Boy Scout Tyler Hecklin could play, with him rhyming right off of Teen Wolf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, where his sole character trait was, I'm brooding. <laughs> I mean, he did I'm Brooding very well. Yes. And they're also making a spinoff featuring Black Canary, the other Black Canary, and Oliver's daughter from the future, who might now be living in the present day because of time shenanigans. Comics are weird. Comics are weird, and I love when TV shows realize that and realize that they can be a comic book and just do weird stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it took... I think three episodes before anyone even just decided on a reason for why Oliver's kids and Diggle's son spontaneously transported 
21 years into the past, and they're like, eh, it was probably the monitor doing shenanigans. Anyways, I'm glad you guys are here, and I can hug you and make you pancakes. Yay. <laughs> but anyways... <laughs> For the third time, I remind myself, I am not talking about existing characters. I am introducing a new character into the Arrowverse. A character that, even over all of these shows, they still kind of need, just to fill this one particular niche. They've kind of uh, edged in on it with Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, but the Arrowverse hasn't talked a lot about magic in most of their stuff. Okay. It's been like kind of on the sidelines, and they've had big bads relevant to it, so they, like, season four of Arrow was all against Damien Dark, who had, like, dark, shadowy powers, and Legends of Tomorrow 3, they had to face a time demon, but that was still more on the side of science fantasy, and it didn't go full, like, fantasy magical until the fourth season, and that's also when Constantine joined the main cast. Okay. Also, I think the Flash fought a vampire who lived in a hell dimension at one point, uh, as a favor to Danny Trejo, but... <laughs> okay... I wasn't watching at that point, so I can't be certain. Okay. So today I am making a TV show out of Zatanna Zatara. Ooh. Now, are you familiar at all with Zatanna? A little bit through the old Justice League co uh, cartoon and um, through what I've read of DC Bombshell. So... Zatan okay, right. So last week we were kind of discussing we were discussing East Sun West of the Moon, and I said it was kind of like the most popular, least well-known fairy tale. Yeah. And Zatanna is kind of like the most popular DC B lister. Where okay. if you know just slightly more than average about DC, you know Zatanna. But yeah. like my parents aren't gonna have a passing knowledge of her the way they are going to of Aquaman or Wonder Woman or Batman, those kind of people. Yeah. And also, Zatanna's fun and interesting because she is, I would call her the premier magic user of the DC universe. So she kind of fills their Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch niche. I would I mean, not just because of genders, but she fills more of a Scarlet Witch niche rather than a Doctor Strange. I'd say that Constantine is more of the Doctor Strange kind of character. Because... <laughs> Well, because with those two, it's all very, like, ritual and somatic and, like, hand yeah. signals and magic circles and all that. And Scarlet yeah. Witch and Zatanna are a lot more loosey-goosey. Like, Scarlet Witch just kind of vibes with the magical energy in the Marvel Universe. And She's a reality warper. Exactly. And Zatanna also has... Her magic airs more on the side of reality warping. Because the way she casts spells, all she has to do is say what she wants to happen backwards. Okay. That's why last week when I gave my hint... I was speaking gibberish. Yeah. The other fun thing that sets Zaytana apart from pretty much all the magic users for both of the big two is that she's not, like, a witch or a wizard or a warlock. She's a magician. Like, literal stage magician. Exactly. A stage magician daughter of another stage magician. Yeah. She's the, what's... She's the prestige. Yeah. <laughs> so, some backstory on Zaytana. She is the daughter of Giovanni John Zatara who is a Golden Age hero that first appeared in Action Comics number one, yes, alongside Superman. Yeah. Uh, so Giovanni Zatara never really took off, but he was known enough that at some point they could do this whole plot running through all the DC comics of Zatanna searching for her father and trying to figure out what happened. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I think he died. Also, she appeared in Hawkman number four in November of 1964. Yeah, I think that was when the plotline first appeared first yeah. began hawkman the hawks are also kind of magic heroes uh depending on which continuity yeah they're really weird because their continuity has been like rebooted several times and and unfortunately they did try and do the hawks on legends of tomorrow's first season and it didn't quite they couldn't stick the landing yeah like i would say on paper they did a, a noble attempt at kind of conflating all their magic together because like the humans who became Hawkman and Hawkwoman, like, they gained their powers of reincarnation from a Thanagarian meteorite. I... So they had space magic instead of just space or just magic. Neither of them could talk to birds. Yeah, um, I think for a future thing involving the DC universe, um, let's have Hawkgirl in space with Jon Stewart Green Lantern. Because that's what our generation remembers. 
That would be fun. Yeah. Well, okay, on the subject of spin-offs, some people have been talking about how we might end up seeing a spin-off which is Ralph Dibney, the elongated man, teaming up with John Johns because they're both private detectives. Okay. And they're both on the shows now. Oh, uh, John Johns is uh, the Martian Manhunter. Yes. If you're trying to remember who's who from the Justice League cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> Which is your touchstone for all things DC. Yeah. Like, and it's the best possible touchstone. <laughs> like, uh, when that awful Green Lantern movie came out, I, I remember seeing the commercials for the first time and I'm like, why isn't he black? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, back to Zatanna. <laughs> she's magic and she's a stage magician. She kind of has been on the sidelines for most of the DC stuff. She didn't get her own solo series until 2010. Uh, yeah. Written by Paul Dini. Her, like, one of the gimmicks is that not only is she a superhero, but she's also, like, again, a professional stage magician. She has, a, like, a residency in Vegas. And her costume is very stage magician-y. Exactly. Also, apparently it's a joke that Paul Dini is trying to just... He's always had a crush on Zaytana, <laughs> and he eventually married an actual stage magician, Misty Lee, and the joke is that this is the closest he possibly came to literally marrying the character of Zaytana. Oh, wow. And he's written for her, like, across comic books and the animated appearances. Like you mentioned, she appeared in the Justice League cartoon. Yeah. She's also appeared a few times in the Young Justice cartoon. Yeah. As one of the teens, so her father was, like, a member of the Justice League. She was a DLC in the first Injustice game. Okay. Currently, her biggest role is in the DC Superhero Girls franchise, which took, like, the main ladies of DC and also upgraded a few of the more, like, sidekicky type characters. So alongside Supergirl and Wonder Woman and Batgirl, you've also got, like, again, you have Zatanna, you've got Bumblebee, and you've got the Jessica Cruz Green Lantern in there, too. But basically, Zatanna, she's never really been able to stick a landing. Like, her most notable stuff, even her, like, she got, I think, five years with her, of her solo series. I, I wanted to buy the Omnibus so I could do some more in-depth research, and that thing cost $70. Ah, gross. Yeah. So, but, like, it's it's big enough that the $70 is worth it. Like, it's a okay. full-color, like, thick book. You could kill a man okay. with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't worth it for one episode of podcasting. Yeah. Um, Maybe for your personal edification. Exactly. If, if you want to go all out for me on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But like her other most notable thing is when she appeared in the Identity Crisis uh, crossover series where her whole thing was that she mind wiped characters. Uh, she mind wiped some villains so that they would be less dangerous. Like Dr. Light, who was a sex pest. And the Justice League was like, hey, Zaytana, can you remove that part of his brain? And she's like, sure. <laughs> and then she also did that to Batman because he didn't like people mind wiping people. And then he got mind wiped. How the uh, turntables. I, I think Batman's permanent state is paranoia. So, yeah. Rightfully so, considering everything that goes down. Yeah. So... When I did do my research, I found a blog post from a blog called The Comics Cube. And this is from uh, almost four years ago now, January of 2016. Uh, the guy's basically, like, he explains Zatanna's backstory and, like, elements of her, but how she's never really had... The continuity around her is a mess because no one knows if she's just starting out as a hero or as if she's been around for a while because they want to... It's kind of a have the cake you needed too, where you want her to be the young daughter filling in for her father, but also the premier magic user of the DC universe. Yeah. And her character traits never really stick. Uh, in a lot of the early comics, she just spontaneously appears in Justice League meetings, and she's like, hello, I'm very sexy, look at my fishnets. And all the Justice League are like, yes, you are very sexy, Zatanna, but this is like business talk right now. She's also never really had any love interests except maybe the detective character from her solo series. Yeah. And she does tend to crush on people. She does have an on and off again crushes on John Constantine, just because... But the thing about John Constantine is, like, he is DC's Doctor Strange, if Doctor Strange just, like, drank an entire bottle of whiskey and fell down the stairs. 
So, Doctor, yeah, Doctor Strange was a bitter bastard, and then he reached enlightenment and became a sorcerer. And Constantine is like, if Doctor Strange got the magic powers without any of the enlightenment. Yeah. And was also significantly more British. Yeah. So in the DC bombshells run, they turned him into a magic rabbit. Constantine? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I can work with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the show I want to make a Zatanna show. Yes. And I'm going to be drawing a lot from the Cliff's Notes that I'm getting from this blog post about Paul Dini's run for her, because that was the first time and kind of the only time that she's really gotten a fully fleshed out supporting cast. Okay. A, a very diverse character. Well, okay, maybe they're not super fleshed out, but they're diverse enough that like th there are anchor characteristic anchors that you can draw from and then expand. Yeah, we can work with this. Exactly. There's a, there's a lot of stuff we can work with here, actually. Yeah. So... The other thing I'm thinking, I'm toying with, because I really do like the idea of her go between her day job of stage magician and her night job of real magician. Yeah. But I want this to be teenage Zatanna. Cool. And one of the reasons is because the CW, the, the, the channel for teens, doesn't seem to have a lot of teen shows going on. Yeah. I think the, they have, the closest they have right now are Legacies and All-American, and I've heard good things about those. Yeah. Um, they've got some stuff going on with Black Lightning, but it's more focused on the dad. Mm. Um, technically, Riverdale is about teens, but, like, that's also not real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, Riverdale is about as soap opery as it gets. Yeah. Also, someone pointed out that Riverdale is trying real hard to be Twin Peaks, and I can vibe with that. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't mind if they just, like, really leaned into the weird cult stuff and didn't look back. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's going to mean that um, anybody watching it is going to have to have, like, a Wikipedia page open to follow what's going on. But that's what happens when you watch Twin Peaks. And then, like, I don't know if Nancy Drew is in high school or if it's, like, I, I don't know their situation. I yeah. know they're older than normal, but I don't know their situation. Um, And then also going off of Riverdale... Because Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was supposed to be a spinoff, and then it just kind of became its own thing on Netflix. Yeah. So, but I'm mentioning this here because you can have a teen magic show w without the literal Christian devil being the big bad and maybe love interest. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna put my bias on the table. I am not a fan of constant of like magic stuff having to rely on heavy amounts of Christianity, especially satanic panic. That shit is so dumb and it's so overplayed and i am done with supernatural well i i was done with supernatural after watching like a couple episodes <laughs> so i guess legacies does kind of fill a similar niche for what i want to go for because it is a, like a fantasy teen soap uh, and it's got yeah. like a, a edging a little bit more on a high fantasy compared to supernatural which is more of like a religious fantasy kind of thing yeah so, I don't know, I feel like we'll have to, we must cancel Legacies in order to get a Zatanna show. But we don't necessarily have to. No. There's a lot of stuff that can coexist on that, on that channel, it seems. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put it out there, I haven't seen Legacies yet, but I kind of want to, because I could not get into Vampire Diaries at all, but Legacies seems like it's a little bit more up my alley, it's a little bit more on, the, on a Buffy flavor. Okay. So, for Zatanna, it's, she, she's a teen. She's, I want to say, like... A sophomore. Most teen shows start with them being sophomores because then you can get three seasons of high school drama before you get into college drama. Yeah. And her father has died not too long ago. I don't think there's any information on her mother, so we might just have to invent a mother for her. Yeah, um, let's see. According to Wikipedia, Cindella is her mother who is a member of the mystical homo magi race. Her backstory was changed for, again, the DC Bombshells series, where she is uh, half Jewish, half Romani. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not sure how much... We could bring that in, because we could definitely get more Jewish superheroes on TV. Yeah. And... I see. Okay, I'm not Jewish in the slightest, so I don't know <laughs> how, how much um, magic. And, uh, and my family has been Protestant since like the Reformation. So yeah, your you, your ancestor was probably there when the, the was being nailed to the door. Oh yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how much um, magic and mysticism can be attached to, like, can vibe inside a Jewish belief system. I know they do have some mysticism, but I don't oh, know. Oh, there is some pretty hardcore mysticism. Yeah, but like, I don't know how much but, you could relate that to yeah. something that would be, you know, like, fun TV magic stuff. Uh, definitely yeah. with the stage magic. Right, so there's yeah, a whole the, thing. The thing about Kabbalah is that there's a reason why they tend to teach it to people over 40. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, there was a whole segment we kind of cut out because we couldn't figure out how to fit the, it in about how a lot of magic stuff on TV is based, uh, even if it's secular, it's based on a Christian version of secularism. And it was or, kind of a mess, but... Again, I'm going to caveat that by saying where Christianity was, like, the dominant religion. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if, like, the stage magic bent is definitely something... Stage magic is definitely secular from everything. Yeah, uh, stage magic kind of bloomed out of the weird spiritism movement. Kind of as like a both entertainment, but also we're kind of looking into that. Harry Houdini was a famous skeptic and a debunker. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's not like Doctor Strange or Constantine or Scarlet Witch are like drawing on otherworldly forces to enact their magical deeds. It's just Zatanna like saying stuff backwards, and she's summoning cards out of her sleeves, and like that's magic, baby. Yeah, if you believe hard enough. <laughs> So, she is a young girl, so yeah, her, her mother will, and therefore Zatanna herself, will be Romani Jewish. Awesome. She can have a team up with Kate Kane, who is also Jewish. Crossovers! They've yet to air the deleted scene of Kate and Beth having a, like, a flashback to their bat mitzvah. Okay. But I'm sure they'll fit it in at some point, because yeah. that was just a very stuffed pilot, and also a very poorly edited pilot for Batwoman. But <laughs> anyways, the rest of the show's good! <laughs> hey, pilots are never perfect. And, and the, it, it's clear, because they mention other Jewish stuff, like when you see Beth's tombstone, there's Star David on it, so yeah. they, they got, they know. They know yeah. and they're doing it. Yeah. So, sweet. Jewish heroine. Awesome. Zatanna. She's uh, just starting at a new school, because that's the other big high school trope. Mm-hmm. I, I just transferred in, and boy, do I want to make friends with my close-up street magic! <laughs> yeah, you're totally not going to out yourself as the class dork. I'm going to freak your mind. Sure, David Copperfield. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's why like she she's on the outs and like the popular kids like, "Oh, you're the weird girl who does close-up street magic." And she's like, "Yeah, but look at this." And then she pulls a, a like a coin behind the popular girl's ear and then oh, no, she throws it at her face. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, uh, in in her high school, she meets Dale Colton, who is, uh, he's basically the jughead of this show. <laughs> it, because in, so, okay, so in the solo series, he was a detective, but we've aged everyone down, so now he's a teen. He's a teen sleuth. So he's snarky, he quotes Truman Capote, and he runs the school newspaper? So he's not that bad. <laughs> He's probably not running the paper, but he probably does have a true crime podcast. No, he yeah. he doesn't have a true crime podcast, but he listens to them. True crime blog. That's a bit easier for a teen to do. Or, yeah. no, no, true crime Tumblr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just how to resurrect um, that old thing. But basically, he, he and Zatanna can relate to each other because they're both kind of outsiders and they're both kind of weird. And also, both their followers are missing, presumed dead. Yeah. And then the other allies here, um, well, not quite an ally, but Zatanna does have a younger cousin yeah. named Zachary, who I'm going to change to a younger brother. Yeah. Just because it's easier. And he basically has the same shtick that she can do, except he's a bit of a brat about it. And he was briefly a member of the Teen Titans, too. Oh, cool. There's also Arnie, who is in the solo series. He was her stage manager. And he's also her best, her BFF, and he's gay. Ooh, nice. He's a boyfriend named Andre. So we can elevate him and Andre to a little bit more uh, important in the cast. Yeah. And then her third friend is Mikey Dowling. Now, Mikey is the most interesting character here, and one of the ones that 
will either be a huge boon to this show, or we're gonna bend ourselves, tear ourselves in half trying to figure out how to make them work. So Mikey Dowling was once a man, and then some funky fresh magic happened, and now he's a woman. Okay. (laughs) Now, Mikey uses the she-her pronouns, and he's fine with getting gussied up as a lady, but he Mm -hmm. also prefers male stuff. Uh, At some point he was turned into a woman by a trick that went wrong. Uh, Oh no, but Zatanna did not do it. But Zatanna also can't change Mikey back. Um, They have no issue with it. Um, Oh, here it is. Uh, Not much of a fan of being in makeup and such, but is totally fine with girly bonding with Zatanna when the need arises. Mm, Okay. Now, in the grand scheme of things, just pressing a gender flip button is not great yeah. because you usually end up on a situation of the mind is a plaything of the body where the person is like, haha, now I am a woman. I guess I'm just going to roll with this. Yay. Yeah. Um, I think Star Trek at one point had one character reincarnate from a male body to a female body, but like, yeah, the Klingon BFF was like, dude, still buds. <laughs> my friend, my old friend. See, we we can do interesting things with Mikey. So my first thought was that Mikey is a trans girl who, when she finds out about Zatanna's actual magic, she starts using it to, like, be more passable. And see, that's the other thing, is that if if it was like, oh, Mikey was always a trans girl, and now they are physically a woman, that also ends with some weird... biology only uh, passing only trans stuff that I don't want. Yeah, and there's also the whole thing about trans women in particular having having to perform very feminine. Yeah, and and trans men as well. Yeah. Like, you must go to an 11 on the gender scale for people to believe that it's real and not just you doing a funny joke. Yeah. Which is bullshit. Yeah. Um, like, definitely, definitely in this show, Mikey would not be cis. Yeah. And I am leaning that they are trans or non-binary and they use Zatanna's magic for something. And maybe it's, like, it's, maybe it's not explicitly passing, but, like... Mikey has never been able to practice makeup, and so they, like, do a bip-bop-bam, I'm all pretty, and then at some yeah. point we can have a scene where Zatanna's like, no, I'm gonna teach you how to do makeup for real. Like, you should... Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have to rely on me for this. G- girl, I love you, but, uh, yeah, I'm not always gonna be around. Yeah. <laughs> I might get eaten by a dragon or something, so... Yeah, magic is not a crutch. Yes. And then also just something, like, not passing, but... A spell that helps her pass beneath notice? Yeah, because, like, being a, uh, a, I guess, a cis woman, um, but also being, like, I'll dress in super masculine clothing. I don't give a fuck, and nobody looks at me twice about that. So, like... Yeah. But I can also get really dressed up, and nobody looks at me twice about that. So... yeah. And and that is the double standard is that we don't blink twice at women wearing men's clothing because we say oh then she's a tomboy. <laughs> but as soon as a man starts wearing more feminine clothing, it's like, well, what's going on? Is he trans? Is he a drag queen? Yeah. Is it a joke? Like, is it for real? Da, 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 it da, da, took da. it took so long for various shades of pink and purple to be an acceptable shirt color for a man if they're wearing a suit. Yeah. Ugh. I can't, I can't put myself directly into a trans woman's shoes, but I very much feel like uh, if you had a charm that meant that as long as you have this on you, you pass beneath notice and you don't, like, you go out and you don't worry. It hasn't changed anything about the way you look, but you go out and you don't have to worry about someone on the bus giving you a look and you look in their eyes and you see the gears turning and they trying to figure stuff out. If I, but I've got this bracelet on and I know that no one's going to give me that look and holy shit, that would be a load off. Yeah. Like, um, some sort of thing, kind of like the ring of, uh, Gyges, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's a mythical, magical artifact mentioned in, mentioned by Plato in book two of the Republic. And basically it's a ring that grants invisibility. So like some sort of spell 
for Mikey that, like, it doesn't make them, like, physically invisible, like, the ring, but, like, yeah. just able to, it's like how with spies, they tend to recruit people who are very, like, boring looking. <laughs> like, if if you look as, like, like, I could not pick you out of a, out of a fucking lineup level of boring, that is great. They this don't, <laughs> they don't recruit James Bond types. They stand out too much. This is the mystical manacle of mediocrity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you're wearing this, people will look at you and go, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like, so, so definitely something where M- Mikey is trying to express their gender the way they want to, and Zatanna helps them, like, kind of get the ball rolling. And yeah. then an arc over, like, the first few seasons even would be them learning how to, like, do it on their own and, like, going out and, like... Being comfortable with themselves. And even raise stuff like, is it, like, is Zatanna protecting them a crutch? Not really, because that's just friendship, baby. Yeah. Um, so that is most of the cast. I mean, like, Zachary probably wouldn't be a major factor in the first few seasons. Um, some of the villains would also probably appear as teens. Like, there is one villainess. She's, uh, mainly just appears in a one-shot. But her, she feels like the kind of person who would and could be a recurring person. Her name is Nimue Ravensong. Okay. And I bet she's still using MySpace and LiveJournal. Yes. And yeah, she just she goes hunting after <laughs> magical artifacts and I feel this would basically be uh Zatanna's rival and she'd be like a petty villain who could grow into a big bad one day. I look at this chick and she really feels like Amy from Buffy who started out as just like a normal witch and then eventually became one of Willow's nemeses when she didn't spend 3 seasons trapped as a rat. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Okay. But the other main, so I mentioned this is a little bit, a little bit legacy is a little bit Buffy. If we're going a little bit Buffy, we need a Giles. And you know who that Giles is? Constantine? It's Constantine! (laughs) Turned into a rabbit after he went on a bender. (laughs) Well, he's, he's gonna start as a human being. (laughs) Uh, He's retired from the legends and he's been seeking out this powerful font Hang on, let me do a, a British accent. <clears throat> this powerful font of magical energy. That was Australian. <laughs> He's seeking out a powerful font of magical energy, and he finds it in the form of this teen girl. Like, oh, Zatanna, you've got magic power. And she's like, oh, yeah, I do. Is this your card? And he's like, no, really. You're, you're, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and he spend the first half of the season, like, training her in her magical abilities. Yeah. Uh, and then mid-season finale, that's when he gets turned into a rabbit. <laughs> Or maybe he gets turned into a rabbit in the pilot, but he can still talk. But I would like him to be human for a a while, at least, because... So, Constantine is mentioned as a love interest of Zatanna. I think it'd be funny if Zatanna was crushing on Constantine, like, for a bit. Obviously, it's one-sided. Yeah, yeah. But, like, have an episode where Zatanna has a crush on Constantine, and Arnie also has a crush on Constantine, (laughs) and they fight over him, and then Constantine says, I'm your teacher, I'm also twice your age... (laughs) <laughs> and I am a mess. <laughs> and I'm da- I'm dating the grandson of Marie Laveau. <laughs> so or maybe or, or maybe he ends up with Gary at this point. <laughs> or something. I'm dating Gary. I magicked him a new nipple. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yeah, um, Gar- in uh, season four, Legends of Tomorrow, time the time agent Gary Green got his nipple eaten by a hell unicorn, uh, and then and then the demon lord Neron played on Gary's insecurities to turn him to his side, and then the pact was sealed when he summoned the nipple back from hell, and and it crawled across the floor <laughs> before Gary took it and he slapped it back onto his chest. <laughs> <laughs> to gain the powers of hell and then he used it to nipnotize the time bureau because there was an eye of inside of it now and then it got eaten by a werewolf again <laughs> here you go your chest is symmetrical again <laughs> <laughs> what is it tomorrow just like 
Swando into just being dumb comic book stuff. I know, that's why it's the best one. <laughs> so, the big enemy, like the big bad for the first season, possibly going forward, uh, is a guy named Brother Knight. He was formerly, formerly known as Elden Peck, and he's a charlatan cult leader who started dabbling in real magic and eventually came to control San Francisco's magical underworld. Uh-oh. He's basically... Uh, bad, bad wizard man. I can't think of any bad wizard enemies. <laughs> <laughs> but like, he shows it like, what up? I'm Brother Knight. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds legit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is what happened in the comics. But Brother Knight in the show, he's definitely the guy who killed Zatanna's dad. Okay. But here, it, here's something that did happen in the comics. He did not kill uh, Dale's dad. He is Dale's dad. Da, da, da. And he'll be like, Dale, you, you've got the magic in you. Every time you touch that track, it turns into gold. <laughs> and Dale's like, that's not true, that's impossible! <laughs> and yeah, so like the first season would be Zatanna learning about her in, in, like inherent magical abilities that she would have inherited from her dad, because we're not doing a magical Romani trope, that's something we're not touching. Yeah. Staying far away from that one. Exactly. Also, her dad will probably show up as, like, a ghost or something. Okay. She Like, she does have a decent amount of rogues just listed in the TV shows page. Uh, there's a kid named Teddy who can attack people with a box of flesh-eating bugs. Great! And so he can definitely be just, like, a disgruntled student at her school. Yeah. Ember is described as an unborn dragon gestating in the form of a human girl. Ugh. Which is a fascinating sentence. It's like... I, I get images of, like, both the thing and uh, the xenomorph. I think it's kind of like dragons... It's implying that dragons have a larval state and the larval state is a sexy girl. Ugh, okay. She can also be a student. Like... They're teens. This is going to be significantly less horny. <laughs> We're giving Zaytana a skirt? Yes. Um, like, when she- Okay, Zaytana did appear in, uh- Zaytana did appear in Smallville. She was played by Sorinda Swan, who went on to play Medusa in Inhumans, and that went over great. Yeah. Um, but her costume is pretty close to the comics, because it's pretty easy to replicate. But also, the thighs. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm all for thick thighs, save lives. But she's 16. Yeah, stop sexualizing teenage girls. You know what else saves lives? This d giant rose that I pulled out of my th coat. Anime already has a problem with sexualizing young girls. Um, I live in fear of a Zatanna anime series. Yeah. Um, so comic books, and especially comic book adaptations, don't! Just don't do it! Actually, now that I think about it, Zatanna aesthetically, uh, maybe we want to hone something closer to Nico from Runaways. Okay. She, she uh, just, just a little bit goth. Yeah. And then she can get in, like, the, the dapper outfit. That could be her superhero outfit. Yeah. And then her friend's like, That's, that doesn't even look like a superhero outfit. And Constantine's like, oh, I didn't even want her to have a superhero outfit. That's fine. <laughs> Zatanna's like, listen... Ever since I was a little girl, I've only had one dream, and that's to have access to the Sailor Moon costume pen. <laughs> yes! Oh, shit, no, let's... In the first few episodes, she just creates a costume pen. Yes. And she can use it on her friends, too. She's like, hey, you want a new outfit? Bam! <laughs> want a new hairstyle? Bam! <laughs> want makeup? Wha-bam! Uh, let's see, we also have a guy named Romalthy the Shaper, and his touch turns victims into whatever his mask depicts. Huh. That's interesting. So, like, if he has a picture of an owl on his mask and he touches you, you turn into an owl or something like that. Okay. So that could be fun stuff to do. Um, there's the Imp Fuseli, who enters people's dreams and turns them into nightmares. A lot of these people sound like they just walked right out of a Buffy episode. Yeah. We could totally do some stuff involving sleep paralysis because that shit is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, there's, okay, so here's a guy named Oscar Hempel, who's a child's entertainer who was turned into a puppet by Zatanna's father. 
That's... His picture is fucking nightmarish. It is just slappy from a Goosebumps. I'm sorry, I have this very strong aversion to ventriloquist puppets. Well, good news. I've just decided that he's going to be another big bad. Fuck you. <laughs> do, 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 do. This is Haunted Doll Watch. <laughs> Look, I used to have porcelain dolls that freaked out Ryan, but even I will draw the line. <laughs> Oscar Hempel is going to summon an army of demonically possessed porcelain dolls and dummies. And and the hand puppet of Martin Stein, the hand puppet of Victor Garber's character, who was possessed by Sid the Kid, a serial killer from New Orleans. Okay. Oh wait, there was an axe man who haunted New Orleans back in like the early 20th century. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. He might have also been the Austin Maid Slayer. Could have also been responsible for the Velasca axe murder too. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of axe murder going on in the early 20th century in the U.S. I mean, listen, that's probably the easiest way. Yeah, everybody had an axe, so... (laughs) Anyways, so something that goes a little bit beyond, like, Zatanna's explicit lore and going more into just the magic of the DC universe in general, because this is... I would want Zatanna to be, like, the home for all the just magic weirdness in DC. Like, we use her as the jumping-off point for it. Unless we're also going out through Letters of Tomorrow. Okay. But, like, she can bring Swamp Thing back into the fold. Yeah, I noticed that she was on, uh, she was in Hellblazer. Yeah. Which is where Swamp Thing's from. And, like, Swamp Thing is basically, for anybody who doesn't know, he is basically the Lorax, but he smashes heads. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best description. You better not let her when he's around. <laughs> yep. Um, and we can also have one of the Vixens make an appearance. Like, yeah. Vixen was a main character in Legends of Tomorrow, and she also had her own animated TV series, and then that Vixen also appeared live-action on Arrow in one episode. Okay. And just, they've wanted to bring her back, but there's always scheduling uh, difficulties with the yeah. actress for the modern Vixen. Okay. With, I mean, with the new timeline, they could also have, like, because now there's two Vixens in the modern day, because Legends of Tomorrow did some time funkiness. Okay. But, like, Vixen is also explicitly magic-powered. Yeah. But also, what I was thinking of is Dr. Fate. Okay. So Dr. Fate is another character that has a long history in DC, and he's the character that they want to be their version of Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. But he... I think, like Zatanna, he's kind of really fallen into the B-list. I would even say C-list. Oh. Because Zatanna, I think, is a lot more well-known at this point. Okay. Dr. Fate, like, the very first one was a Swedish archaeologist who put on the helmet of fate and became Dr. Fate and was powered by, like, Egyptian magic from the 20s. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, pulp, Egyptian it- pulp mysticism. <laughs> Doesn't Linkara have a joke about how everything evil comes from ancient Egypt? Yeah, but that's just because it's like booby-trapped and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it should be fucking everyone's trying to steal their corpses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The most recent version of Dr. Fate, because there have been about, uh, eight of them. He has a lot of alter egos. Well, it's just you slap a helmet on someone and boom, you're Dr. Fate now. Okay. Um, but the most recent one who was introduced in 2015, and he was an Egyptian-American medical student named Khalid Nasur. Cool. Who received the helmet from his cat, who turned out to be Bastet. Neat. And he's also the grandnephew of one of the previous Dr. Fates. Okay. Also, um, just a quick correction. Uh, the helmet came from the Valley of Ur, which is in Iraq and... Oh, Ur- Okay. Yeah, Ur is one of, like, the very early capitals of uh, the Sumerians. Okay. Yeah. So let so me correct myself. Real, it, yeah. And also, that that shit's real old. It's, so let me correct myself. It's uh, Iraqi pulp mysticism. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he's got a big onk on his chest. I don't know how widespread the onk was, but that's what put Egypt, Egypt in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, there's even a theory that maybe the cross might have had some inspiration from the onk. It's very simple shape. Yeah. So I'm specifically drawing, I want to use Khalid Nasur as our main Doctor Fate, even though because he has so many legacy like predecessors, one or two of them could definitely show up. But I'm also drawing from the Injustice 2 video game. 
Now, there's a lot of stuff in the Injustice universe, in the Injustice continuity, that makes me go, what the fuck, this is bullshit. Okay. But I enjoyed the Doctor Fate that showed up, because uh, basically the plot is that he shows up and the Doctor Fate persona is trying to prevent the heroes from stopping Brainiac, because the Lords of Order that, like, give the power to Doctor Fate have decided that if Brainiac destroys the Earth, that will finally bring order to the universe. Because <laughs> of all the stuff that Superman and Batman keep doing and, like, fighting about. Earth is nothing but a source of chaos. Or, you know, you could just, like, get Superman and and Bruce off of that fucking planet. Off of no, our fucking no, planet. The, Lords, the Lords of Order say Brainiac should destroy the Earth and Batman and Superman will finally stop. <laughs> and everything will be at peace. Like, I do like that kind of plot where these, like, supposed forces of good and forces of order are all like, well, a universe where everyone is dead is also of perfect order, so that's fine. Yeah. And so, we like, we start with Khalid, he gets the helmet, and he can, like, use these powers and, like, assist Zatanna in her, like, dealings and fighting magical villains. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the Lords of Order start trying to impose their will on him and use him to, like, create order it could even result in one of the CW crisis crossovers where he's like, there's too many, the Lords of Order have said there's too many heroes, so I must now destroy you all. And they're like, we have to stop him. But also he's just a teen who's been possessed by like ancient space ghosts. So okay, we can't, we can't kill him. We just have to get the dang helmet off of his head. <laughs> it would be like getting the glove off of Thanos' hand. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I feel like I've covered all the stuff that I wanted to with Zatanna. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things to do when we turn John Constantine into a rabbit is, could we do it like the Sabrina TV series? Yes! <laughs> Animatronic Constantine rabbit. And then when he has to go somewhere, we would get like the actual rabbit to run around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how trainable rabbits are. There will be a lot of poo on set. <laughs> there, I want there to be a scene where, like, Zatanna's desperately trying to turn John back and nothing's working. She's like, okay, well, in that case, how would I just do this? And then she casts a different spell and, like, the rabbit just starts growing. And, like, the enemies, like, they run up to where Zatanna is and, like, they see the giant rabbit and it turns around and it roars. <laughs> <laughs> the killer rabbit. <laughs> Look... It's got huge! <laughs> Look at the bodies! <laughs> oh, Monty Python, you never fail. <laughs> oh, oh, someone's gonna make so many Monty Python jokes at John, he's gonna be like, I hate this. This is the worst. <laughs> I can live I can live with only eating carrots and being adorable, but if I hear one more Monty Python joke, then I am going to become a killer rabbit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the other day on Pinterest, I was going through a whole bunch of pictures of animatronic Salem, and oh my god, they're so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't Salem get his own spinoff? Salem needs his own spinoff. Yep. <laughs> it's what every girl needs. That's why Kira was like one of the best characters on Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> and then he could turn into Big Lion. I can't remember if we mentioned this in our card captors episode, but I, I just want to say that, hey, if there's ever a live action card captors, they should also do Kiro like Salem. <laughs> yes. And that way you can save your money for when you do the big shots of him in big form. Yeah. No, the big form is also like Salem. It's just a <laughs> shitty animatronic. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the Salem robot, but it's the size of your car. <laughs> call back to another cat that we featured on the series uh their lines of sabo big <laughs> um so yeah i think like i think i've kind of laid out a, a kind of three season arc that we could do yeah with uh because the first one would be brother knight the second one would be uh oscar hample and the third one can be uh the lords of order as the big bads yeah and um we can... season four would be zatanna goes to college and maybe that can also be, like, when she starts performing in bars and has to, like, do the the work-school hero balancing act. Yep, and we can introduce some other 
uh, magic user characters like um, Cersei, Madame Xanadu, Janetris. Oh, yeah, Cersei. Yeah. What if Cersei? Okay, okay, no, no. Here's what here's what happens. Okay, so so Cersei is the big bad for season two. Ooh. And she's the one who turns Constantine into the rabbit. And it totally fits. And then and then we can move like everyone forward a bit. We can have like Oscar Hempel be like because I like the idea reason I like Oscar as a big bad is because then he because he has the connection to Zatanna's father. And so it can be like kind of this full circle, like Zatanna's graduating and she like has to get out from her under her father's shadow while also like dealing with like the nemeses that he left behind, that kind of stuff. And then college is when she can meet Khalid. Yeah. And then we can do the whole Lords of Order thing. Okay. Because, and then that can also, like, parlay into, like, college. College is the most chaotic time anyone ever has in their life. Yeah. So it's it's a whole chaos versus order thing. But maybe a little bit of chaos is good. But also, <laughs> I love a little bit of order in my college life. And we can move locations. Hey, maybe she even does, like, an international, like, study abroad thing that I wanted to do but never got around to doing. Zatanna World Tour. Yes. As for crossovers with the greater Arrowverse, I think the best ones would be her going with either Supergirl or Batwoman. Batwoman, because, again, the shared Jewish stuff, just be very yeah. cool to have two Jewish superheroines on TV together. And Supergirl, because it's been a regular plot point that the Kryptonian heroes, like, their abilities don't work on magical villains. Oh, yeah. Or at least they're, they're weak to magic. Like, kind of just circumvents... Hey, Warner Brothers, remember that for when you actually do a Superman movie again. <laughs> and you want a challenge. Yeah, like, mag magic kind of just bypasses all their usual resistances. Yeah. So that's why, like, normally when you have plots about Superman going bad, the person who has to fight him is Shazam. Because Shazam is technically powered by magic. Yeah. So definitely, like, if something's going on and Kara is having issues in, with, like, her villains. She can, like, hey, Zatanna, can you come over here and, like, help out? And Zatanna's like, sure, the shabooby. <laughs> um, and then also all, all three of them can do a thing together. Yeah. And another, another group of villains that we could bring in and tie into uh, Gotham and Batman and Batwoman and all that is the Royal Flesh Gang. They've actually already appeared in the Arrowverse. Oh, okay. But they were, like, completely redone because they were just a, a family of crooks. Okay. And the, a motorcycle gang with, like, ca playing card motifs. Huh. Well... But it's... they haven't It is a multiverse, since, too. It's, it's a multiverse, and also, they haven't appeared since the first season of Flash. Yeah. And, like, one, like, the thing was that it was a mom and dad and two brothers. Yeah. It could be interesting if, like, the younger brother, should, like, finds magic. Okay. And shows up and makes, like, a new royal flush gang. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just like dark. So, I guess she technically exists in the same world as, like, Man-Bat. And, hey, Man-Bat's an interesting, like, dark reflection of Batman, so... But but he is also more on the science end of things rather than yeah. mystical. Um, but we could bring in Solomon Grundy. Oh, yeah. Because we mentioned Swamp Thing before. Swamp Thing is, like, an avatar of the green, which is, like the elemental force of all plant life in the DC universe. Yeah. And then we've also got Vixen and Animal Man, who are representatives of the red, which is all the animal life. Okay. Or at least terrestrial animal life. Yeah. But then you've also got Solomon Grundy, who at some point became the avatar of the gray, which is the all the fungal life. Okay. And so, yeah, there's definitely a mystical bent to Solomon Grundy, and he can definitely show up for a Halloween episode. Yeah. And that's how we can bring in Vixen again. And then it's it's Swamp Thing, Solomon Grundy, uh, All Out Brawl. Yeah. Grudge Match. Woo! Well, there is that one Superman villain who is magic-based that constantly comes up and has, like, the really long, hard-to-pronounce name. Um, oh, Mr. Mixie Splitlick. Yes. <laughs> He's also appeared in Supergirl. Okay. But he could definitely show up for Zatanna. Yeah. And another one is Red Tornado. Who, so Red Tornado has already appeared as just a normal robot on Supergirl, but nobody liked that version. Ah. Because the costume was bad, but then the plot was bad and the acting was bad. Huh. And he also appeared, I think, as just a straight up android in the animated uh, Freedom Fighters cartoon. Okay. 
Though he was uh, voiced by the same guy who played him in Supergirl, as far as I know. Huh. But there is a version of Red Tornado, which is an air elemental possessing a robot body. Okay. And so that's something that could show up in Zatanna. That could even go onto a whole plot, be something similar to season four of Buffy, where it was like scientists trying to understand and control magical stuff and just kind of smashing it together. Yeah. And we can always import some Hellblazer stuff too. Oh yeah. But like we, I want this to be mainly Zatanna and her stuff. Like, some Hellblazer stuff can come in, but I don't want it to be the focus. Just like how, obviously, I'd love to see some Batman villains show up for Batwoman, but Batwoman has her own rogues gallery, and I'd love for them to get a spotlight, too. Okay. Especially because she has some really weird ones, like uh, uh, a religion of crime where everyone's a shapeshifter. Huh. Yeah. Is there anyone else you can think of to throw in here? Have we talked about Enchantress? Oh, right, Enchantress. So that's a Suicide Squad thing. Yeah. So I don't necessarily yeah. know if we want to... Br- I feel like Enchantress would be like a late game one. Yeah. Yeah, and that really depends on how or if uh, James Gunn, you know, touches her. Well, actually, the embargo for- it has lifted. So okay. now the Arrowverse can use any characters they want. It doesn't matter for the movies. Okay, cool. Like... Like, that has been a pox on them before, because originally Ray Palmer was supposed to be Ted Cord, but they're like, no, we have plans for Blue Beetle. And originally Harley Quinn was going to show up as a member of Suicide Squad when they were introduced in Arrow, and then she couldn't, and then they had to kill off Deadshot too. Yeah. But that embargo was lifted, so they have free reign over everyone, as far as I know. So I think we've covered everything we'd like to see in this Zatanna series. So in that case, Stelpo Revo ought a... Pidsnirf Omorp. Right now, you're suffering under an enormous weight. We provide... Leverage. Or at least, we rewatch the TV series of the same name. Each week, join me, I'm Cassidy, and... Hey, I'm Frankie! As we watch an episode of the show where bad guys make the best good guys. Find us on Twitter at Let's Steal Cast, or on iTunes at Let's Steal Podcast. And remember... H of a geek, baby. Well, being a rabbit for five seconds was weird. <laughs> oh no, I, I pronounced the backwards wrong. <laughs> so, Lindsay. So, Tanner. What spell would you like people to type into their internet browsers in order to locate you upon the internet? Well, if you want to look into the dark swan eye that is Twitter... Um, I'm at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and it's pronounced Firene! <laughs> And you can find this very podcast on Instagram at not if I reboot you first. That's all one word. And the hashtag that we follow is N-I-I-R-Y-F. And that is pronounced Yar. You know what? Nyarif. There. <laughs> You've undone the spell. We're free. Woo! You can also email us at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite animatronic house pet on TV. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, do try and send us a hint rather than the entire idea, because we love being surprised. And if you'd like to support us more directly, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash notifyrebootyoufirst, where you can get a bevy of bonuses by supporting us financially, including a weekly shoutout for all of our patrons, including Charlie and Cassidy. Thanks, Charlie and Cassidy! You can also rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcatcher of choice, then contact me and I will try and get us in there. Last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found at ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. Ryan! (laughs) (laughs) This ain't on. (laughs) Hi, Tanner. You okay? Oh, I'm just sleepy. Okay. Hey, do you have a hint for your thing next week? Yeah. My hint for you, my lovelies. How do you feel about snow? I love that song. It's my favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper. 
Well, given today's weather. <laughs> oh, God. I get to shovel like twice tomorrow. Ah. Oh. But in that case, we'll be doing that next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Um, but anyway, so Vor... No, not Vor. <laughs>